Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Drake Neidenhelzer, and he's the founder of the Profit Collective. Today's conversation is going to be really action-packed, information-packed. He's got an amazing background. We're going to be talking about becoming a premium brand, becoming a market leader, getting good quality clients, quantity, best marketing efforts. And I'm really happy to welcome Drake to the show. So welcome, Drake. Hey, thank you so much, Chris. I really uh, appreciate you having me on here. And I'm, I'm really excited to provide what value I can to your audience. Yeah. I, I like how we were talking in the green room. Uh, your uh, background is extremely impressive. And, you know, there's so much we could cover and tell people, you know, your background, your story, what you got you into, what you're doing today. Yeah. So it, it, it all started back in uh, 2016. I took my first sales job um, as a little mom and pop uh, vehicle wrap shop. And uh, I didn't really know what I was getting into. I just knew that I was good at. Um, customer service and I was good. I had the, the gift of gab, so to speak. I was good at uh, communicating with people and things progressed in that role. It kind of became, because it was such a small company, you know, as is in those situations, you end up wearing multiple hats. I ended up doing a lot of business development and stuff like that. But it all kicked off with this, this one morning. I remember hearing our project manager outside just be like, ah, she was so frustrated. She was like, I hate jobs like this. So I poked my head out because I'm the guy that's selling stuff. So like the experience of the team was my responsibility, right? So I was like, hey, what's going on? And she basically told me like, hey, like this product is is terrible. This guy is, he's really nice, but he's super particular. This project is just dragging out. I'm miserable. Our designers are miserable. And that was the first time, you know, I kind of became aware of how much of an impact it has on a company as to what you sell, who you sell it to, and all these other variables that actually determine where the company ends up. So over the next three years, I spent a lot of time paying attention to this and playing with different puzzle pieces to see what we could do. And the result was, you know, we just really shed all of our low value work uh, we got rid of all of our difficult clients. It just became a lot happier as a company. Uh, the books started looking way better. We were making a lot more money for the uh, the input, the, the, the time that we were investing. We were able to go from the stagnant mom and pop shop into serving multiple states. And it all stemmed from just stopping and asking, like, what is good work for us? What are good clients for us? And then being you know, particular about saying no to the ones that weren't, that didn't match that so that we could make room for more of the ones that do match that. Yeah. It's so, uh, it's so amazing because especially after 2020, everything 
you know, change. That's kind of an understatement. But you notice the the life cycle of a business. Um, now it's like life cycle. You know, it used to be like decades and it's shortened down the years. Now it can months and days. And so there's all these like uh, businesses, product cycles that are just very, you know, the time frame is shortened. So it's very important to become a market leader in your industry and stand out, which is what you're talking about. And we'll, you know, we'll talk mm -hmm. about the different um, aspects, but talk about becoming a market leader in your industry. Yeah. So becoming a market leader is at the core, just about consistently trying to improve and having a heartbeat on what's going well for your, for your client base, what's not going well. Um, what results they're getting and what results they're not and where you can really tweak and improve. And that may seem like a kind of a boring, dull answer, but I like to joke that, you know, the things that work the most in business are usually not the big, sexy, flashy things. You'd be surprised uh, at how many businesses settle for the mediocre while thinking that they're the best. When I was selling vehicle wraps, one of the things that I would consistently hear were statements from from folks when I would ask why they chose to go with us that just shocked me you know I'd be like hey so out of curiosity you know why did you decide to go with us over our competitors and they would say things like well you picked up the phone when we called yeah. and the first time I was like the first time I was like ha, 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 ha. yeah but really but why and they were like no I'm being serious <laughs> you know so that's kind of a an example that may seem really mundane and obvious but there's there's all these areas where people are settling uh business owners are just they've got so much going on in their business that they just it, good enough is good enough right because they want to keep their sanity but if you can figure out how to orchestrate everything and consistently improve that's the the core of the answer but what we're really looking for are you know as far as ways to improve, you know, problems that your clients are running into uh, a result of using your service. So, um, you know, if you run a, a lead generation company and you're sending them 100 leads a month, but they can't find those leads in their computer system, that's a problem that they're running into using your service. And then we're also looking for problems that they're that they're experiencing as a result of successfully using the service. So if we use that same lead generation idea, so if they're now getting all these leads, but they're discovering they don't know how to turn them into sales, that's a, a problem as a result of successfully using your service. And that's an opportunity for you to improve. And by embracing those opportunities, that's how we become market leaders. Yeah, I love that. It kind of reminds me um, the first time, you know, where companies were not evaluated on their product or their service, but it was um, where there was these other tangible things, you know, such as customer service, uh, Zappos with their culture, uh, Amazon with their efficiency, you know, all these you know, Apple with their outstanding brand. It's, it's very, it's, you know, what you're talking about is just um, becoming a premium brand. So you, with your companies mm -hmm. or your clients, you talk about seven steps to becoming a premium brand and number one first of mind like a google or your apple you know people mm -hmm. will, will camp outside overnight to for you tell us about that for the average company that's out there the first step is to you know embrace the one 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 equation which is one offer to one buyer with one fulfillment process when we keep our our process 
simple and our offerings simple, that's when we're able to truly improve. It's when we have too much going on that we can't improve. So by simplifying, that's, that's step number one. Um, after that, we want to identify what our most valuable offering is and value being more than just monetary. Um, it's also to you as a business owner, it's going to be monetary, but to the client, it's going to be in, in terms of results. So what provides the most results to your clients, most powerful results? And then after that, we're going to take a look at who our best buyer is, like who gets the most value from in our client base, gets the most value from that offer, but is also easy to work with and easy to deliver results to, right? So that's like who, who our best buyer is. Once we figure that out, step number three, we want to go in and we want to focus our messaging on selling that offer to that buyer so that we can attract more of those high quality buyers and naturally repel people who don't fit that mold. Step number four, we want to embrace fearless transparency. Uh, we want to be very clear with our market about what we do, what we don't do, who we work with, who we don't. Uh, what results we're good at delivering, what results we're not good at delivering, um, what our pricing looks like. That's, that's going to be a, a tough one for some business owners. But if you can be, at least give them a ballpark idea of what your pricing is up front, you're going to avoid a lot of conversations with, with people who are, who are tire kickers, who end up just being tire kickers and, you know, don't really want to work with you and aren't a good fit to work with you, especially if you have premium pricing. Um, when I was selling vehicle wraps, you know, not, we had a higher pricing than our competitors. Um, we charged anywhere between like 30 to 200% more than our competitors. And just by holding fast on our pricing and not giving discounts to people, a lot of the, the lower quality people just stopped <laughs> wanting to work with us. Right. Um, but step number five is, oh man, I'm having a brain fart here. What's really interesting is that, uh, you, you've given so much and, um, you know, this idea from when you, when I first started, you know, in 2016, I just basically said, yes, took every client and, you know, just kind of, you know, made that revenue. And then afterwards you, uh, as you become a premium brand and I love this idea that you referred to as just saying no and, um, basically eliminating the time wasters and the people that aren't a good fit and kind of, and you the importance of saying no, that was so key. So I know you had a number five, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love what you're saying though, because like saying no to hard money so that we could say yes to easy money was like the hardest part uh, with that journey at that rap company because, you know, as business owners, when we get started, we're so used to, to scraping and scrapping for every dollar that you say yes to whatever comes along. And thinking that one day when I reach a certain point, then I'll start saying, then I'll start being picky. But one day you wake up and realize that you never did that because you developed this muscle of saying yes to everything out of fear. So learning to control that fear and have discipline over that fear enough to say no to the, to the hard money right now so that you have more opportunities to say yes to the easy money in the future yeah. is critical. Step number five is Boy, I'm still having a brain fart here. I wrote a whole book about this. <laughs> no, um, that's okay. The, uh, I'll let you, but, um, you know, this idea of um, just saying, uh, when you said no, uh, there's this really great quote. I think it was Charlie Munger or, he was, or Warren Buffett. He was saying, when you say yes to everything, and then you're basically saying 
saying no to the most critical stuff. So, uh, and then mm-hmm. when you say no, it's basically you're leaving opportunity for what you're talking about the the best. So, yeah, hope that, I hope yeah. I gave you time to <laughs> to. No, uh, absolutely. Um, I actually just pulled up my Google Google Doc uh, <laughs> to refer to it really quickly, uh, cheating a little bit. But um, step number five is reimagining your policies. Yeah. So when we create policies uh, as business owners, we usually try to create them to protect ourselves. To the outside world, the, the people that are looking to be your customers, um, that's often seen through the lens for uh, what it is, where you're trying to protect yourself from them. It can have this vibe where it's basically saying, hey, you know, I didn't really bother to get good at running my business, so I just created this policy so that <laughs> if things do go bad, they swing my way. But when we create policies that are about protecting ourselves, it can be seen for what it is. There's this nice middle ground of policies that are designed to protect both parties. You'll see this a lot if, if you've been in the coaching and consulting world with like the conditional guarantee of, hey, you know, if you can show that you showed up to all the calls, that you did everything you were supposed to, and that you really put in the effort and you still don't get the results, we'll give you a refund, right? Uh-huh. And it's designed to protect um, buyers from a poorly conceived or poorly executed system. And it's designed to protect the company from people who just don't want to do the work. Right. But um, you know, then if the third type of policy are policies that are designed to protect the customer, the client from you. And when we position our policies through this lens, it shows our dedication, quality, and to, following through and really taking care of them. It really just, it really positions us in a light that shows that we can be trusted. It's really powerful. So like when at this wrap company, what we ended up doing was having a a design guarantee. We shifted mostly into selling commercial vehicle wraps where it's like your plumber, your HVAC, your pool cleaner that wants their, their truck or their van done up with all of their branding coming into this, the worry is like, well, are you going to be able to design something that I like for my company? And all of our competitors had this design policy that said for, you know, $150, we'll give you three options. From there, you have to pick one, you get three revisions. And then after that, we're going to keep billing you an hourly rate of like $75 an hour. And a policy like that, it's it's one of those policies that's designed to protect the company from people who, you know, are really trying to get it right or aren't sure what they want. So we just said, hey, you come in and we'll design until you're happy. That's it. Like, that's that's it. We have a process for how we do that, but we're going to go until you're happy, guaranteed. It attracted a lot of the clients who were really looking to get it right. And that wanted some hand-holding because, you know, they were like, well, I'm just not sure. I haven't done this before. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to take more than three revisions. So it attracted a lot of the higher value clients that were really looking for that extra touch and allowed us to charge more than our competitors. But what we did on the back end to protect ourselves is we implemented procedures to protect ourselves from that becoming uh, a money drain. And we just said, hey, if a project reaches X point and they still haven't decided on why, then they have to have a one-on-one with a designer, right? Where they sit down on a Zoom call or in person for like an hour. And nine out of 10 times at the end of that, it was like, oh, okay, they just were confused about this. They weren't sure about this. And having that, that you know, high touch point time with the designer 
we moved through all the issues that they were having. So that's step number five. Uh, step number six is all about revving up client experience and making working with you as good of an experience as possible because we are emotional beings. People buy for emotional reasons. They wrap it in logic, but they buy for emotional reasons, right? So the better experience we can make it, the better emotions they have around working with us, the more likely they are to go out and sing our praises, to leave good reviews, to really just tell the world about our goodwill. And then that's what we, we attract back, right? What we put out, what we create in our business is what ends up going out into the world and what we end up attracting more back of. So that's yeah. step number six. Step number seven is really just about refining fulfillment. I touched on it a little bit earlier about the, the different ways that we can find ways to improve the fulfillment, but it's really just about constantly looking for ways to, to provide better results and follow through for the clients more. But we want to do all of these steps through a lens of really focusing on our strengths and um, what we are good at, right? Your best buyer is, is easy to work with and easy to deliver results for. Your best payday that is, that is the, the offer that you have that is most valuable, that energizes you, that is high net profit, um, that's easy to sell and easy to deliver on for you. By looking at it through that lens, we're naturally going to be finding the things in your business that you are good at, that you that, that are built around your strengths. And when we do that and we take all of these seven steps and build it around your strengths, we develop a signature process for your business for how you do things to generate results in a way that your competition can't replicate. And that's how you start to pull away from the competition. Yeah, I love that. And uh, this, what you're describing is um, exactly strategy that Apple does. And basically, they become a category of one and mm -hmm. they focus on the core strengths, you know, what, uh, I know you, you know, this is kind of coming to the end, but you, you know, the seven steps of becoming a premium brand, you know, we could have a masterclass on this, but talking about in talking about, um, you know, doing the little things that differentiate yourself and you make you stand out saying no, getting the right clients, um, allowing yourself to become a premium brand. Um, I love this. So, uh, you know, one kind of, we're kind of, um, coming to the end, but one way is, uh, one final question, uh, idea of you, you make talking about getting, working with your company, a better experience for clients, getting good clients quantity and uh, actually, and then standing out in your market as a trustworthy company. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So tell the, uh, tell the audience, you know, kind of final words on, on, on those ideas. Um, so many different things to choose from in there. <laughs> really what it comes down to it comes down to one creating foundational change i think the thing that a lot of business owners are really attracted to are like the sexy shiny things that are marketed to us as like the magic pill the the, the, the easy fix like hey, if you just this lead generation strategy will solve all your business problems right and it's this one little piece of the business uh marketing this new marketing format this lead this this landing page this you know sales funnel whatever it is, we're sold these one thing, we're being told we'll fix our whole business. But if you want to create this kind of change in your business, it really comes down to going to the foundation and building a better foundation for the business. Because just like, you know, you can't build a skyscraper on a foundation that's, that's built for a house. You, if you try and build a premium brand on a foundation that you built for just a standard traditional business, it's going to be rough. So you have to go back and really, it's not about making all the fancy changes 
on, on, on the outside. It's about going in and changing the foundation for how you approach your business, for how you view your business, and for how you approach things. And a large part of that is raising your standards. Uh, as a person, as a business owner, you know, personal growth is the spear of, of business growth. Your business is never going to outgrow you as a business owner. If you're, you know, your business is is reaching a point where you're struggling to grow, you're, you've hit a growth ceiling, you're struggling to get the business that you want, things are going, are stalling. That's a good sign that the standards that you're operating with as an individual and as a professional are not going to take you any further. And it's time to raise those standards. Yeah. So that's really the core of, of what all of this is. Like if you go and look at the seven steps, every one of them is about raising your standards. Yeah. I love that. How can people contact you, follow you, um, check out your social media, check out your work, um, reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple options for them. Um, if they want to get in touch with me, they can always find me on Facebook. Um, if they just search my name, Drake Nightenhalser, um, I will pop up. But um, I also have a training that I put together for your audience. Um, it goes over the one 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 equation, shows them, teaches them about the one 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 equation in more in depth. You know, one buyer one offer to one buyer, one fulfillment process. It also teaches them how to determine their best payday for their business and their best buyer. Um, and if they want, there's there's a tracker sheet that they can sign up for that allows them to start tracking uh, sale quality based on their best payday and their best buyer. So that's available to them. And if they just if they're a reader, um, they just want to read the book. Seven Steps to Attracting Great Clients is available on Amazon. Uh, and for all the audience out there, uh, let's thank Drake for coming on to the show. Interesting, fascinating discussion about becoming a category of one, a premium brand. You know, once you're once you're stand out from the and you become your own category, you don't have to worry. You know, basically you worry about yourself. So um, all of his resources will be in the links and show notes. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Chris. It's been a pleasure. you are listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week